You're listening to Black Sheep from Wired Differently. All right. So today on Black Sheep uh, by Wired Differently, we have Lauren. So my dear Lauren, how are you? I'm good, friend. How are you? Good, good, good. So um, I met Lauren, I think it's been two years, three years now. I think it's roughly three years even. Uh, it my- probably is three years. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did not release my book yet. And we were already chatting. Um, and, and Lauren just lives probably three hours away from me, which uh, cameras. Uh, I mean, it's for me, it's far away. I mean, there's nothing in between. So never- <laughs> unless you want to go to Red Deer, but who wants to do that? <laughs> yeah, we can meet in between. Uh, I love Lauren for what she does. I mean, Lauren, you, you've you've been uh, a uh, correctional officer. Mm-hmm. Your mom, don't get me wrong, is mm-hmm. as well as mm-hmm. house of a first responder. Uh, you battle cancer, you kick ass there as well. You restarted fully your life, something else that is, is not necessarily related, but you're a leader on everything. You're taking care of the community. I just love what you do. So for the one who don't know who Lauren is, let's get a, a brief, like not 50 minutes, because we could talk for five hours, obviously, about what you do. But let's let's just see, like, what, what do you do, right? Okay, what do I do? Uh, well, okay, so yeah, I became a corrections officer when I was 22 years old. Um, applied uh, really before the internet really started, and in um, in prevent or sorry, in federal corrections, uh, uh, women in women facilities are called a primary worker. So I thought I was signing up to be like a caseworker. Uh, get to Saskatoon, and they are talking, and I'm like. I think I'm in the wrong training. So I call my boyfriend and I'm like, I think I like, I think I might have signed up to be a prison guard. He's like, I don't fucking think so. Like, have you seen yourself? You have like zero life experience. You're like a hundred pounds. You're like five foot nothing. He's like, I don't fucking think someone hired you to be a corrections officer. I'm like, yeah, you're right. So I, I totally thought I was in the wrong training, but no, nope, I for sure was hired to be a corrections officer at a women's prison, which blew my mind. I, I thought for sure you're not going to make it through. Um, but I did. And I worked at Edmonton Institution for Women for nine years. I had two babies uh, in that time period. Um, I suffered with my mental health significantly, obviously. Um, there, we, we were ill-equipped. We were very ill-equipped. 2004, I mean, I started then and no one was talking about these things. When I mentioned uh, to you know a supervisor one time that I was struggling to sleep, she's like, drink some wine and take some Benadryl. I was like, all right. And th- that worked for a while. And then it didn't. I I mean, I struggled so significantly just to get my mind to turn off at the end of the day and not hash out every little thing I could have done differently or um, and and just just really not aware. I had a conversation recently with someone in peer support and they're like, you know, would you have talked to someone? I'm like, I don't even know what I would have talked to someone about because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know that this was wrong. Um, I didn't know that this was not normal in the in the organization that I was involved in. This was very normal that you didn't sleep, that you drank your problems away, that you didn't talk to anybody. Because if you did, you were going to sit at the front desk and only crazy people and pregnant people sit at the front desk. <laughs> you don't want the front desk job, right? It's like crazy people, pregnant people sit at the front desk. So it was like, just shut your mouth and keep going. And that's what I did for nine years until I had my, until I was pregnant with my second son, I decided um, I'd actually got my pension papers standing at the front desk and um, everyone was talking and some people had a few years left. Some people had lots of years left and mine said like, 
17 years and 54 days. And my first thought was, I'll be dead. I will make it. We'll make it 17 years. Um, and while all of this was happening, my husband was training to be a police officer. So uh, we were commuting. We had two. We had one baby. Uh, we were both working shift work. And I just thought, no, this I got to. I got to be done with this. I did think I would go back eventually when my kids got older. But after going through what I went through, most of my um, most of my shit happened after I left corrections, you know, where the the cup keeps getting filled up and I just keep distracting. And then one day it's like, kaboom, everything happens. So, yeah. And then and that's so so. This is the fun part, right? Because you wear the uniform and this is wonderful um, by all means. And thanks for, for, for the service you did, because I don't know how okay. correctional officer do. I mean, it, to me, it's you're in a dense wolf, right? A wolf dance, whatever. Yeah. Deep yeah. Backwards, French thing. Uh, yeah, so, I know. I know. I understand <laughs> you, my friend. <laughs> so I don't know what you do, but I mean, uh, I remember dropping off uh, inmates, right? And I was like, nope, nope, no. Uh, I just want to get out of here. Not, not staying yeah. here. So. Good job for you on doing this. And as as of today, I'm still amazed. Now, the fun part is is what you became after. Because mm. right, the, during the during the sickness, we change, right? During Absolutely. the sickness, we evolve. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that we find our true self as well. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because uh, it's a quest. So th- this is the to me, it's who you become is even even more bigger, awesome, whatever that is, that the wearing your uniform. Because I think it's what you had to be you had to go through the correction to become who oh you absolutely and i mean i i I, sh- I know now that when i left there i grieved significantly not knowing that that's what that was the my my friends i grieved the job i grieved the fact that i believed that i was weak that i couldn't do this job i grieved that i grieved all of those things the uniform that yeah all of it um and uh, like I had said, I just stayed distracted. So I started a business. I'd had a business already on the side. I was a travel agent, owned my own travel agency for a few years. And then I was like, I just needed to stay busy. So I thought I'm going to start a retail store. I have no background in retail. I have no back other than this travel agency. I was part of a franchise. So they really um, helped me significantly, but started a business. Um, in 2015, I decided that, you know, I, I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, I saw uh, an advertisement on the side of a Facebook thing saying like, hey, transformation weekend. And I was like, I'm in like, I need to try. I need to figure out what I'm because I literally was like going through the motions. I was still drinking significantly. I was, you know, stressed out, overwhelmed. My my family was suffering. Right. I My kids were waking me up at seven in the morning saying like, okay, mom, what are we doing today? And I'm mad and I'm cranky. And I just like. I didn't want to be that person anymore. I needed to figure out what was going on. And the weekend that I went to was, it was transformation weekend. It literally transformed my life because what it did it, it is it allowed me to get really clear on what was happening and how this is not the person that I wanted to be and that I could live out my purpose, which I discovered was helping people, helping people navigate hard times without doing that with inmates. And I thought, well, I'm one of them. And I started like having conversations with first responders and, and now more, more often than not spouses saying like, 
oh my gosh, I had to go through this to get me here. This is, I can still live out my purpose. How I do it is very different and way more fun. (laughs) This is way more fun than someone telling me, you know, going through investigations, dealing with shit smearing, right? Like, this is so much better and so much easier and so much more fun than, uh, so yes, I absolutely believe that I had, I had to go through that because you cannot work with first responders in a capacity that you and I do, or if you have not been one, right. They're, they're like the hardest people to infiltrate in the entire world. So they don't trust anybody. Yeah. They don't trust anybody. Right. Unless you, unless you are one and you can prove it, it's like, go away. I don't want to talk to you. Yep, yep. Um, so yeah, it was, I did have to go through and then, and then the cancer thing happened like right after I'm like, Oh, I'm good. Everything's good. I'm feeling good. And you know, I've got a good routine. I'm taking care of myself, which is something I had never done before. I, everybody came before me, everything came before me. So when I got diagnosed with cancer in 2017, it was no surprise. Like I hadn't been paying attention to my body that the doctors are very convinced that this is this was a stress. This came from stress, from not um, recognizing it, um, and it was it was again like a big shock, massive grief, right? And and one of the things that I learned more like so significantly out of that, and I think was like, okay, Lauren, you haven't figured it out yet, so we'll give you something else because maybe this will work. Um, is that I was trying so hard to get back to who I was prior to becoming a corrections officer, this like fun loving, you know, um, tiny little thing, firecracker. And I I, I mean, I still believe those things about myself. But at the same time, I was like trying so hard to get back to who I used to be when you and I both know, you don't go through trauma and get to be the person you were before your brain doesn't work that way. Your body doesn't work that way. Your personality doesn't work that way. And that was the biggest thing through the cancer was like, I get to, I get to reinvent who I am, rediscover who I am and be that person. So I think that was a, that was a big lesson that I missed the first time uh, was that I, I was just trying so hard to get back to who I used to be. And she's not there and that's okay. I I get to be whoever I want to be. So that's been the funnest part about all of this. And I mean, people are always like, oh yeah, that's how you reframe these thoughts. And I'm like, it actually, it actually works for me, right? To say like, I wouldn't be where I am without those things. And it did take a long time. Um, It did take quite a few years to actually give it this new thought process around it. But man, it's so much easier to live yep. when you when you learn how to do that when you love yourself when you love yourself you love yourself no matter what yeah i've i i'm not perfect <laughs> i know that i try i do try to be i struggle with perfectionism quite a bit um but at the same time it's it's so we're so hard on ourselves right and and for what like it's the same life no matter what, right? We get the same amount of time. We never know when we're out of here. So it's like, why would we Why would we not just be nice to ourselves yep. and give ourselves a little bit of grace? Because most of the things that, you know, you and I are doing or leaders are doing or, you know, people going through PTSD or whatever you're going through, it's like, we can be hard on ourselves or we can be nice to ourselves. It's our own personal choice. And it's so much easier and so much more fun to just be kind 
don't rush. Nothing's a race. And I, I struggle with that a lot to say like, oh, I got to get this done by the end of the week. Um, but, you know, if I have a sick kid or something like that, it's like, what's more important? And knowing that value system, right, that we have to change uh, and look at because I didn't live my life according to that prior to anything. It was just like kind of willy nilly, just fucking do whatever I got, I got to do today. And, and everything went to the bottom myself, my family, my health, right? All of yep. those things, even though I said I valued them, I obviously didn't. Right. Well, it was very maybe not the same level, right. Maybe not the same level as well. Right. And I think, I think there's, so first thing first, I believe that to go through that mental health recovery, you need to accept that you have to go through it. Number one. And Absolutely. if you're battling yourself with saying, I want to be that old person there. Well, first thing first, that old person had shut down feelings. This is why you were numb. This is what you're drinking. This is whatever the fuck. So mm-hmm. going back to there, it's not the best thing. It's not. No, it's not. Right. But it's the overflux of feelings that is kind of freaking the body out, right? Like, why am I feeling this right now? Why am I Why am I going to cry? I just crossed the street walking. I'm going to cry. Well, because you, your head, you smell, you hear, you whatever the hell. Right? But you need to accept that you're going through it to actually go through it. And it's kind of that the first key to the first door. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's it, so much resistance, right? Yeah, we yeah. Res- As human beings, we resist change. It's just natural for us to say, actually... Drinking and taking medication is comfortable for me. This works for me. Yeah. And this is what I'm going to do. It's it's scarier to say, I'm actually not going to, I'm actually not going to do that thing today. The one, and, and if you have heard it, like my extensive story is when I found out I was pregnant, um, I was drinking heavily every night to go to sleep. And, you know, most people find out they're pregnant and it's exciting and we were trying, but everybody told us we'll have to try for a really long time. And that was not our situation at all. Um, and I remember thinking like, oh, not I'm excited to be pregnant. I remember thinking, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to get to sleep tonight yeah. because I knew if I was pregnant, I wouldn't drink alcohol. I wouldn't take medication. And that still haunts me to this day that that was my first thought. Yeah. And, and you know what? Uh, because I, I can hear you in that speech and I, I hear my wife as well, right? I hear mm, my wife mm-hmm. saying, like, being upset at herself, she has a prepartum, a prepartum, whatever you call that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because she was so active, so physically on the go, work, so on and so on, so fulfilling. And then she couldn't, the body yeah. said, no. And she was like, well, wait, wait, well, my shape is changing. Well, I'm changing my, my, and we were moving here in Alberta, like, 4,000 K away without fucking family and, and, and support. So yeah, no, I, I hear you hundred percent. Um, which, which is, I mean, it's, it's something I will never be able to feel because obviously for good reasons. Um, but, but yeah, I can, I can understand, understand where you're coming from for sure. Yeah, it was, it was tough. And, and I mean, I, I got through it. it, it I was okay, but I, I spent that year off and went back to the institution just thinking, okay, I'm good. I, I spent some time outside. I got to be with my son. I'm good. But I pulled into that parking lot and instantly it was like migraine headache, jaw clenching. And I had no idea, right? Like I was just like, oh, I'm nervous to go back. Like I really talked myself out of it. But every shift I was just miserable, had headaches, again, had trouble sleeping. It's, it's like, the worst thing in the world to have a baby who doesn't sleep, to have a husband who's going through police training, who can't help you to work at an institution where there's a lot of incidents. So you're not working an eight, 12 
hour shift. You're working a 16 hour shift and you're driving wherever day home will take your kid if there's an incident, because there's a lot of lot of day homes that will take a child if you can't pick them up at four o'clock, right? So like I had a day home that was half an hour from where we lived because she would keep him if I had to stay. Yeah. And that happened four times. We had to sleep at the day home because I we I was in an incident. So, and then my husband's training in cameras, which is an hour and a half away. Like we were just like, I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? (laughs) But, but you, you honestly, you are, you are cuffed to that job for a a lot of people are like, I'm going to put in my 25 years. I'm going to get my pension. I'm going to do these things. And that was my thought process. Like I, I'm just going to do it and I'm just going to suck it up and I'm just going to, get my pension and I'm going to move on. But if you've ever done any sort of research on corrections officers, their life expectancy is 58 years old. So I would have retired at 50 and I would have had eight more good years. And I'm just like, no, uh -uh, I don't want eight good ones. Yeah. Because I was so miserable. I was so. I I guess, I guess my thought process when I entered into corrections was it was something very different. And my, my uh, purpose is to help people. And this system is not helpful to inmates, to uh, staff, to any sort of thing like that. And I saw the, the toxicity and I just thought, no, I I can't stay. (laughs) I won't make it. Oh yeah. But, 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 and and this is the, I think this is a beauty. It's what followed up with all of this, right? Uh, I mean, you worked for Tony Robbins as well, mm-hmm. right? Which is not, it's not a Joe Blow in the corner of the street. He's uh, one of the mm-hmm. uh, coach that we have in, in the world right now. Yes. Uh, and, and like, love, I love him. Lots of people don't. I, I love him. I've met him numerous times. Um, yeah, he, I, and the cool thing about that position is, I did it voluntarily uh, for a little while uh, because I knew that was my foot in the door. Yeah. And everybody just said, like, how are you so good at this? Like how, like, I, I first of all, I love people. Uh, I get my energy from people. I'm an extrovert. But I love pro-social people. Like anybody who is like a decent human being, I'm like, yeah, I, I love you. What can I do for you? Let me help you. And I also, I thrive in that adrenaline piece. So instead of it being like shit smearing and hostage taking, I'm like, I'll run around all over the place to get you whatever you need and whatever will make you happy. Yeah. Um, and, and be chaotic for a few hours and then go home and be done. But I, I can multitask. I, I just, I find so much joy in, you know, watching people, transform their lives. I, I, because I was luckily, luckily I saw that thing on Facebook and then my mentor who actually taught that has now, she, she goes all over the U S with Tony. Um, and we do some stuff together still. And I mean, like, I'm just so grateful that, um, I have the leaders in my life that have shown me, you know, like you work hard a couple of days and we take a bunch of days off. I'm like, I'm in, let's do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I can go hard. <laughs> oh, and, and I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because we had two different trainings, right. And really two different base training. And, and I can hear like, after listening to a few of his books and reading some of his, I was like, okay, yeah, I can hear it. I can mm-hmm. hear where that's coming from, uh, which is fantastic. The other reason why I wanted you because beside the fact I love you, uh, on that podcast, you. uh, 
you know, French people and emotion, we're all into it. Uh, so uh, it's because I've been having a lot of uh, spouses lately. Mm-hmm. I, I would mm-hmm. say in the last six months who, who ask me like, what do I do? Like my husband is going off the handle. My husband just keep working and he comes home and he sits on the couch and doesn't have mm-hmm. and so on. And to me, you're that person. You're that person who can help those, those women that, that uh, reach out to me. And, um, and I think the best way is, is to having you on a podcast so you can see first thing first, who's she, right? Yeah. But, but you, you're the master of this that I know of, like, and, and all the people that I know, you're the person who, dedicate your time to help those spouses. Uh, and I mean, I, I know personally you coach me as well, because I'm lucky. I think I'm the only guy that you coach. You are the only guy I coach. Yep. <laughs> um, but, but you have that connection. But I do love it. I love that. Like, I love the masculinity that comes along with that because I, I don't coach dudes. Right. I, I, I love, it. I love coaching you just so you know, it's like yeah. what I'm like, yes, I had to coach John today. That's literally what it is. And, and I mean, by, by all means, I'm excited to sign up. And, and uh, I mean, we have a few sessions. I think we have two, one, one yeah. left. And I will okay. probably just look for another one after, but <clears throat> so all that to say it is true often. Uh, and I did not visit it for WCB side or, or the, the, the first responder side, but for the military perspective, uh, they have access to the military family resources center. Mm-hmm. But again, it's there. Those people are, are, they want good. They want to give, but they don't have what you offer. Um, and, and I think you have something very, very unique. You have something mm-hmm. that is, I mean, targeted for them and, and right. throughout Canada, like VAC helps the, the, the veterans. They help the current member who are suffering, but we don't have a program yet for spouses only. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a way to actually tell them like, Hey, your husband just signed up and, and you know, check mark the PTSD thing. This is what you're going to have to expect, right? He yeah. might fight in his sleep. He might actually have no erection. It's not because he doesn't love you. It's because that brain's not working anymore. Right. And, and I think you do have that package you have, you offer this. And, and I, after all the years that I've seen, cause I signed up my wife for one of your things, um, you offer it and you have it all. So um, one of the big reasons why you're here is because I want those spouses to know who you are and actually reach out to you because there's something there. Yeah. And I mean, that's that, like when I said that first responders are difficult to infiltrate, I wasn't kidding. Like, and I was one, but it's, it's such a tough, we are for sure getting better. The stigma is the walls are coming down. There are so many. Uh, and I mean, when I say first responders, I, I'm mostly like, the females will come to me. It's the dudes that I struggle with the most. Um, but I mean, I, I, I guess when I started doing this work, I was, that was my target. And then, um, a bunch of spouses started coming to me. Um, and my cousin's husband, uh, went through something significant and was, uh, swept away for three months. Um, when he, uh, admitted that he was going to commit suicide, Swept away to uh, a facility in Nanaimo. I can't remember what it's called. Something Wood, Homewood? No. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. No, I think it's Homewoods or something like this. Yeah, it's something. It's affiliated with them. But she was the the, she's a nurse. uh, So her has with their shift work. He was the person who watched their kids on the days that she didn't work. Right, like lots of first responders families work like this. And, uh, she was just like, she called me and she's like, I don't know what the fuck to do. And I was like, Kate, hold on. Let's stop for a second. Right. Because it, what we don't, what we, I didn't understand. And what I'm learning is not learning, have learned that this is just as traumatic for your partner 
as it is for you. And it's their own story. It's their own journey. But they have to go through something as well because they're going to grieve the loss of you. They're going to grieve that, you know, this isn't the person that I met. This isn't the person that I married. This isn't right. And I mean, lots of times we, I have conversations with people and I say like, you know, the biggest piece for my relationship with my husband, because now I'm the spouse of a first responder, whereas when we met, he was the spouse of a first responder. And he didn't know what the fuck to do. He's like, do you want me to take you to the mall and buy you something? Will you stop crying then? I was like, I don't know. Like when I started my business, it was like, yeah, I don't, whatever you need, Lauren, like you want a hundred thousand bucks to start a business. Sure. Let's, let's do that. Like, it was like, whatever will get you to stop crying because he had no fucking clue what to do with me. And a lot of times these spouses are like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm just, and and they get burnt out and they get overwhelmed and they get fucking frustrated as hell because they don't know what's going on and the support systems for them are lacking. What I really wanted uh, more than anything was to create a community of first responder spouses that could communicate with each other, have this connection piece to say like, and I know, and I know lots of services are quite small. So then I've, I've found it really hard. And we say this with peer support as well is like, they want to connect with someone who actually doesn't know their partner, right? They, they want that amenity. They don't want to say something that could get his gun taken away or whatever. So I, I wanted spouses to come together to build these connections so that when they walk away, uh, an Edmonton fire guy's wife could go talk to a Calgary police officer's wife and nobody knows anything about anything, but they could create those connections. And I know when we did the last retreat last February, um, we have two more coming up, May 5th and October 6th uh, with To Serve and Connect. Um, uh, is that these, these women really connected to each other in a two day period, like the things that were shared were unbelievable. And the, the speakers that we had and the people that came was just like, they really started to see that, yeah, their partner's going through something, but they're also going through something too. So let's bring down all these walls. Let's create some connection and, and really allow you to be in a space of this sucks. This is not easy. Right. And, and not be so hard on yourself and so hard on your partner, because lots of times they're not communicating to you what's going on, but to hear it, we had a a couple come speak at the retreat, uh, uh, Cynthia and Steven Urquhart, uh, and they are both, um, retired RCMP, both diagnosed with PTSD. And it was the first time they spoke together, but to hear him speak, about, you know, he's like, I would go to work and I would come home and then blended family said four kids. She would go to work. She would come home. He's like, I would sit there and like detach and catch up and do my thing. He's like, she has two, four kids to take care of. She's been sexually harassed at work all day long because she's yeah. a female in the RCMP. Yeah. He's like, and then she comes home and deals with all of this, like lunches and school this and that, and, you know, taking Katir and there and there. And it was so interesting just to see his view of his wife 20, 35 years later. And he's saying, this is how your partner sees you, but they cannot communicate it to you they're or they're not going to because they have so many other things going on and it was it was just like a a huge breakthrough for a lot of them to say like you're doing a good job despite thinking that you're not 
yeah. as a mom and as a wife and as a whatever wife, spouse, whatever. Um, like, and you deserve this time away to, you know, learn about yourself, find other modalities of healing if that's what you need or ones that you can take home and share. Yeah. Right. Like we had, um, Steve Morsey, I always get it wrong. Do you know, you know, probably know Steve uh, Mosley's private stock. He has the band. Anyways, he came and shared his, um, he's at RCMP. Um, he, uh, he has a band and it was really cool. You would love him actually. Uh, he, and a lot, his is all about music and rhythm and how rhythm is super healing. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times we just think, oh, they're just listening to music. But at the same time, it's like, no, that might be how they're coming down from their, you know, their heightened, their hypervigilant, yeah. right? So learning all of these cool things and doing it in a community um, is so much more fun, right? And so, yeah. uh, so much more, um, and and everyone's sharing like, hey, uh, oh, I heard you say something about your kids. Have you tried this Wounded Warriors program for kids? And so they're all sharing all this information. I'm like, oh my God, this is exactly what I wanted. I wanted people to be like, oh, we've tried this thing. It didn't work for us, but hey, here's the contact. Or, you know, we've done this thing or a couple of them had been through some art therapy and we had Teresa there doing art, which was amazing, right? Like, and some people not even knowing their thoughts, but doodling out on paper. And then Teresa, I was just like, this is mind blowing, right? Like so cool. Even for someone who's done so much work, I was still learning in that process. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically. I just want to uh, build a community, have connection, share resources, and for for us to be able to say as spouses, like when they're going through through it, it's okay for us to take care of ourselves. Yeah, it's okay for us to go through it as well, and yeah. they can be separate, but they can come together in the end. And you will be stronger in your relationship if you choose to acknowledge that both people are going through something. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, the, the biggest thing that, uh, the thing that really resonated with me, I, I have to say it, it's, it's super interesting. They have to get used to the new you, right? And uh, mm-hmm. and I remember my wife told me the exact kind of same thing. She's like, I have to fall in love with who you are now. Mm-hmm. And uh, because she's like, you're not who you were. Mm-hmm. And and was it because I was, I was shut down a lot, like during the military time when we met, uh, I would express feelings by all means, but it was more quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more the men thing. Right. Like I do work and whatnot. Yeah, come back yeah. And by all means, bring flowers or write notes and, and whatever I have to do, but then shut down and go back to work. Uh, so this part is, yeah, it, it's, it's so true. <clears throat> and the, the, I think the artist part from the artist perspective and not necessarily a spouse one is I was at the point where I started to love who I am now mm-hmm. and hearing mm-hmm. this, I was like, but this person is better. This person is conscious of what the hell is going on. And and but on the other end, I did understand as well. Uh, like it's I'm not the same guy. I'm not the guy who's now is willing to actually work 18 hours for a service that doesn't really care about me for a society who actually try to find the best way to sue me and get my badge. Because how many times I hear that stupid sentence? Um mm-hmm. it's more now, okay. What well, what is my priority? The values change. And I think this is where it comes into, right? Mm-hmm. And, and like you, I was like, okay, I have well, they done the military, I was 12 years in. Okay, I have 12 years and a half to go. We're going to be retired. Cool. We're going to move somewhere else. And, and to realize that, wait, my life doesn't have to be 25 years job. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, wait, I can actually work 20 hours, make the same salary and be there for my kids. 
and not skip the birthday because I'm on a night shift, not skip the hockey practice because I know your kids aren't in hockey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> My kids will not be in a hockey. It's expensive in this province. Oh, it's so expensive. <laughs> God help me. It's pretty much, well, and I do that. I, I work pretty much to pay for hockey, which is, but oh, yeah. he, he loves it. We love it. I mean, there's, yeah, that we have our ups and downs with it for sure. But yeah. My, my buddy oh. who's RCMP was saying that his two kids were, our, he's like, it costs us 25000 a year, I think. And I was like, this is insane. But he's like, where do you want them to play? He's like, you go to Ontario or Quebec, right? Like you have so many cities. Mm-hmm. Here you have Calgary, you have a pissed off red deer, and then you have Edmonton, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have as many as many people, and I totally get it, right? But yeah, so to go back to what we're saying, this is magical. To me, it is magical that we have something for our spouse because it is also spoke that our kids, if you have PTSD, they have a high chance to have anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's so many studies about it. What about our spouse? Mm-hmm. What about the spouse? Because I, I could tell my wife at one point, I'm like, you're having a depression. You're going like, you're so involved into your work. You're putting something to close your eyes to not see. And, and to realize that, yeah, this is what it was kind of roaming. This is what it was digging in. It's the sadness. It's the... Um, and we're not being. equipped to deal with this. We don't even know that this is going to happen no. in our relationship because nobody talks about it. Because they actually... I, I, I know that... I've done interviews with people before and they're like, oh yeah, but if we told you that you wouldn't sign up. I'm like, that's not true. Anybody who signs up to be law enforcement or corrections officer, whatever has, has a burning desire to help people and they will sign up and giving them that information is, is better for their mental health, for your organization. I don't understand how people don't understand that this is sharing at mental health and giving everybody these tools before they even go as a, as a spouse, as a, as a first responder, having these tools, being able to recognize these things will save us bazillions of dollars. Oh yeah. Right. And yeah. save like all of these things that I see so many people going through right now, like you said, WCB, VAC, all these things. It's like, but why wouldn't we tell these people this thing? So if they needed to take two days off, and say like, I need to, I need to take a few days. This is what I need to do for myself. I need to realign. I need to refocus, whatever. No, we, we don't do that. We we're just like, we get to the point where we are, we're, we're not going to make it any longer and we have to leave and we have to leave for good. Right. Which, which none of us recognize. They tell you, you cannot go back there actually. Right. Like my family doctor was like, you cannot go back. You know that, right? I'm like, uh, no, I'm probably gonna try in like five years when my care nurturing is over. He's like, he's like, you won't make it, Laura. I'm like, you're you know what? And it did take five years for me to realize, you know what? It, it that's not who you are anymore. Yeah. Right. And and you just it's it sucked my soul. And I, I know that for for a fact. I'm grateful for the people, I'm grateful for the experiences, I am grateful for it all. Yeah. Because I know. I'm a better leader today because I think of how I was treated and and don't get me wrong. I had some amazing managers, but that how that organization is run and how they treat people. I literally in my head go, how, how do I not do that? How do I not treat people the way I was treated? How do I not accuse people of doing things? How do I, how do I show up for them? How do I, how do I keep these people, um, not keep them, but 
lift them up, right? I I want to make leaders. And the the only thing that they do there is 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 crush people all the time. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't want to be that. I want like I remember when I had staff at the store, I was like, I want these people to stay here. I want them to be a part of this team. How do I do that? The opposite way that Correction Service Canada does it. <laughs> so basically my thought process. Yeah. Which is so shitty, but it is super interesting because I teach um, in, uh, well, obviously remotely, but I teach on a correctional officer, future correctional officer college uh, back in Quebec. And uh, and I was telling them, I'm like, what do you expect? I'm going to see there. And they're like, well, there's cells and you're going to lock the door, open the door. They're going to have fight. Sometimes they're going to fight and, and food and whatever it is. I'm like, about seeing someone with like 50 or 40 like stabs of a ship for like, or whatever that is. Are you okay with that? Like, well, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know. Stab yourself 40 times. You'll see how it looks like. And then yeah. tell me if you're okay with it. Right. And that, are you going to be able to have food after? Well, mm-hmm. What do you mean? I'm like, because you need to eat. Mm-hmm. Right? You need to mm-hmm. still kind of function. And, and I, I was using the word eat as this is just normal process, right? You mm-hmm. need to eat, sleep to survive. Mm-hmm. If that cuts you to not eat, maybe it's not your place for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should not go there. Um, and if you have to realize it to spend a year or two, good. Right. Yeah. Uh, on the other end, I'll, I'll, I'll follow with what you said, because, uh, well, you run, you work as well for OSI Can, uh, which yeah. is fantastic. I love it. Um, beautiful organization. Um, I was talking to uh, my little peer support I'm running. There's, uh, there's a, a girl who has a year and a half a year uh, in, in, in a uniform. Uh, and uh, she's like, I-, I feel bad. I have to ask for time off. And I'm like, take the time off. If I would have been, if I had your balls after a year, I will probably be better mentally now. <laughs> now right? I waited 10 years for, for any help. I, I waited so long. And mm-hmm. I think this is what people are, are forgetting, right? If you pack up 50 trauma, it takes a time to freaking digest. Mm-hmm. If you pack up five, good. It's going to be a rush, but you know, three, four months, six months, seven months, doesn't matter the time. You yeah. might recover and go back to work, right? If it's the place you want to be at, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like you, I'm in the same. I'm like, fuck this. I'm not going back there. The doctor is like, you can, but I would highly suggest <laughs> that you don't. <laughs> and I was like, why not? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're right. It takes a time because uh, we celebrated our anniversary two weeks ago, something like this. If she's listening, it's the 22nd of November. I do remember <laughs> the date. Uh and, and I was sitting across her at the keg, and now I can sit in a restaurant, which is magical. Um, yes. Like, I've been thinking about contracting. And she's like, what mm-hmm. do you mean? I'm like, no, contracting. She's like, What's con- what do you want to contract? And I'm like, I would like to go overseas for security. She's like, you're not. And, and my wife will not say, do whatever you want now. She's just, no. No, you're mm-hmm. going to come back broken, and we have two sons to raise. Period. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and And I think this is... She's the voice of the reason, clearly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That's my husband, the voice of reason. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And, and it's fine. And I mean, uh, and it's the fact to realize it, which is extremely important. Mm-hmm. And there's a grieving aspect. Uh, I don't miss the police personally. Fucking mm-hmm. don't miss it. Uh, I, I think you're right. You said it. Like, it's toxic. There's something very, very toxic that is very different uh, and, and unhealthy. Uh, but, but the job is fun. So it makes mm-hmm. it very hard. Right, mm-hmm. you're, you're the, the cuffs, the golden handcuff, right? Of the pension yeah. and the fun. And, and 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 if you're one of those people that signed up for that, you you thrive on that. You thrive on that excitement and adrenaline and right. I mean, 
what I do now is not overly exciting, but I love it. And I, I had to, and like the event stuff is, it's a lot more high pace, yeah. but I live for those events now. I I do three or four a year and I'm just like, yeah, let's do this. I'm in. And I, I save up my strength to really give it my all. Yeah. And, uh, and that's good enough at this point because I, I went through years of incident after incident after incident. And, and I mean, I know for me that my trauma comes from like feeling helpless. It wasn't incidents where I was able to actually do something. Yeah. It's incidents where I wasn't able to do something or wasn't there for or was in a control post that I couldn't leave. Um, so yeah, there, it, there is, there's so much to unpack when it comes to, you know, your, yourself as a first responder spouse and that as, but I, I, I know for a fact, like if we, if we did something to prevent this from the very beginning, we would be so much better off or help, and, right? Help. Just help. Because I don't think trauma won't stop with those shops. It's going to, no. the things no. you're going to unsee. So how do we change that? PTSD will have it or whatever you're going to call it. I don't care about yeah, the name. Yeah. It's not about the name. It's about how we, we help people. But yeah. it's going to happen. So how do we prevent that the person is not able to leave their house? Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. So I think digesting one, two, three, four trauma, help, please. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's go, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Making right. Making it normal. Making it normal. Making and, and, and it normal. For, for the spouse, it's them knowing they need to have some knowledge, right? They need mm-hmm. to have that. Uh, and, and even looking at books, I, I don't know for you, I've, I've looked for books for spouse and I was like, there's nothing. Mm-mm. There's Mm-mm. Lauren, you need to write a book, but uh, <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, I will say the emotional survival for the law enforcement is yeah. probably the best one actually at this point. And um, the body keeps the score, probably yes. another one. Uh, I just bought myself one for Christmas for my stocking bag. Uh, Oh God. I don't know. It's wrapped up. All. Gabor Mate is another one. Oh, that's the one. That's the one I bought. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, is it a new one? Because the new one is the myth of reality. No. Uh, so is it uh, when the body says no? When the body says no. Yeah. yeah. This is a yeah. fantastic book. Like, and, and, and so, yeah, you're right, though. There is not a lot for specifically for spouses. But if you want to learn yeah. and if you want to be informed and pay attention to like, like I was telling someone the other day. Uh, my, oh, actually I was telling, we did a couples retreat out in Nordic with, um, I needed two, uh, Tanya and Jerry. And, uh, I was telling the, the other couples at the retreat that we have a rule in our house that I'm not allowed to have, like my husband, once he gets off night shift yeah. that night, doesn't matter what day it is. I'm not allowed to have people over yeah. and we're, and I'm not allowed to say that he's coming to something with me. Because he's like, at the end, I, I need like 24 hours. So when they say you get four days off, we were like, yeah, right. You get like maybe one good one, yeah. right? By the time they come down and by the time they feel normal again. And I mean, that that's not necessarily PTSD. That's like how hard shift work is on, on a 42-year-old man, right? Yeah. Like it is. And he, and he suffered uh, a physical injury, which was extremely mental. He suffered his Achilles in 2016. So that, you know, like there's all these things that pile up, but we, yeah, we just have that rule. And they're like, all the guys were like, that's a wicked rule. Like I shouldn't have to be on right after a night shift. And the, the wives were like, oh, it's that simple. Like, okay. Just, and I'm allowed to go out. I can sign yeah. up for whatever I want. He's more than happy to stay home, put the kids to bed, but I'm not allowed to say that he's coming with me or I'm not allowed to have people here because he's like, I'll just go up to my room 
and I won't even talk to them. <laughs> I'm like, okay, then. Yeah, so yeah. rather than deal with the, you know, and, and it's hard on him. I know it is right. I've been through it. Luckily for me, I've been through it. I know after a night shift, I'm not interested in talking to people. I'm not interested in answering their questions or telling them prison stories. Like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to just be alone. Yeah. So yeah, there's lots of, there's lots of learning involved. And I, that's my favorite thing about working with the spouses is everyone has a different story. Everybody wants their story to be heard yeah. and right. And, and that's really it, but giving them those to and like so, I I get so frustrated when people are like oh yeah my husband's my husband's retired I wish I would have known this stuff before right and I'm like oh I wish you would have too so because now they're in retirement and he's still he has a hard time transitioning out of that that's that's a big grieving process as well right because yeah. and I know that is for most people but the uniform is extra so yeah and, and I mean. We'll have to 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 shorten soon, but yeah. I mean, we got my client have... just texted and said, "Should I give you to eleven forty-five? I'm like, "That'd be awesome." <laughs> yeah, uh, and my son, my son is rolling right now, so oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's good timing. Yeah. I'll have you a second time by all means because uh, I just enjoy our chats. Um, you know, me too. That, that's just how it is. But I think the other point is, and I think the idea of having nobody is great. Uh, it, it quite fantastic actually. It, there's um, there's as well the day before i every coppers that i ask right they all say i don't sleep well we don't mm -hmm. there's nothing mm -hmm. that you sleep well and lastly the other thing that i that, that i realized i don't i didn't hang out with cops after because mm -hmm. i didn't want to hear about the job mm -hmm. and and then when you see coppers who will hang out together they start i oh, remember that call remember you should stop take a break take a break like you're not yeah. at work. Talk about flowers, but it becomes an entity, right? And that's the big thing that sometimes we have to disconnect as human. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're, you're a police officer. You're a human as well. Your father, mother, whatever that is, house, uh, husband, wife. Yeah. Uh, Musician, artist, yeah. what, right? Like, yeah. and lots of times we hear first responders, they, they don't have time for anything outside of work, which is so I can see that. Right. But it's like, okay, what is something that you loved that isn't work that isn't attached to work? Because we know that there is that ability, like uh, Mo, the one uh, yeah, that I was yeah. talking about, like hadn't picked up his guitar, his whole, pretty much his whole police career. And then it was like, as soon as he started doing that again, I was like, oh, this is what they're talking about. You have to have things outside of work that aren't connected to work. Yeah. And um, yeah, and, and we lose those things because we're busy and then it's like, oh, days off, the kids and this and right. And you, yeah. you just get caught up. But it is, it's not selfish to take time for yourself and, and be conscious of what's going on, right? And paying attention, because a lot of times we're just going through the motions, and trying to get to the end of our 25 years to get our pension and maybe do something fun for the last however many years we have left, but the stress of that job will kill you before anything else does. Oh. Yeah, you're right. I, I saw a picture of me, I think the last year, I think two months I was off before being off. And I look like I age like 10 years. I know. It, it, it's insane. And I'm like, and I have facial hair now, but that's another thing. <laughs> but <laughs> if you say the same thing, I have a problem with this. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, and yeah, it was, it was super interesting. So I'm going to have to let you go because baby, I know. Up, yeah. And it's funny because I finished yesterday my podcast the same that I recorded the same way. Baby's waking up. I'm sorry. Baby's waking up. Yeah. Uh, and you have a client, but. I want you. To, I want to have you again. Uh, yes, we'll do it again. Absolutely, and, and anytime. We'll see each other very soon. I'm sure. Anyways, yes. so thank yeah. you. Awesome. Thank you.
See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to Black Sheep from Wired Differently. If you found value in today's episode, please share with others and subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with John, check out johnarshambo.com. We'll see you next time.